All right, welcome to Equal Time Soccer. I'm Matt Pravratsky alongside brand new Gopher Soccer head coach, Aaron Chastain. Aaron, you have so much going on in your life this week. I cannot believe we have you on the show. So exciting. Um, obviously, you have Minnesota roots. You're a hometown Minnesota kid. You played with the Gophers, specifically three-year captain, which is like, we need to talk about that eventually. You played every game of your career, which I personally find as impressive as any statistical category. Um, so much to talk about. But Aaron, first of all, Thank you so much for being here. And what does this week feel like for you? Yeah, I well, thank you for having me first. I know you're you're a tremendous supporter of Minnesota soccer, and I think that's huge and really excited to kind of go on this journey together, as I'm sure you'll be at a lot of games and covering every move we make. So, um, but really the, the week has been a whirlwind. I mean, I as I've said, multiple times it it really feels a little bit surreal to me um that this is happening and i have walked in the office the past couple days and thought wow like this this is really here so i'm really thankful for the opportunity i am really excited about this team and this program and of course excited to be back to to a place which feels like home for me well, and Aaron, we're going to start off. We're not starting off easy. We're going right into maybe the hardest question you'll have all day. We're going to pull this up. Easily the biggest thing on everyone's mind. Let's make sure we get a look at it. Will these kits be coming back? That's the biggest question. These, these, are, these are some gopher kits from your era. In the, the mid-90s was your stomping grounds with the program. These are, frankly, the shorts and jersey combination is just, I think, fantastic. What what are are we going to bring back any of these glory days or maybe like will you rock one of these on the sideline like how are we going to incorporate your playing days into this program? Well, I definitely can say I will not be rocking one of those on the sideline. Um, you're aging me by putting that photo up. Um, I think well we can take a long it time ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think they their kits look a little nicer than the ones we had. But at the time, we didn't know any different and we thought those were awesome. We can, well, and here's the thing. Um, I'm sure she watches every show, but SJ, the director of operations, who who I believe I'm not breaking anything too crazy, I, I believe she officially is coming back. But even if she weren't, let's pretend she's watching the show. She would never let that suggestion make it anywhere near the official purchasing decision anyway. Um, all of my kit suggestions have been shot down uh, every single one. So don't don't worry, we will not go too deep into my kit suggestions. Um, so let's jump in. I think, you know, one really cool thing about your staff back at DePaul, you know, so for folks who are not familiar with Aaron's career, really impressive resume, assistant coaching experience at Northwestern, Santa Clara, which if you're stuck in the Midwest as a Minnesotan, Santa Clara and those WCC schools do not mess around. Those are really legit programs. But then you have this really impressive long tenure at DePaul, 14 years. Um, and one of the things that I actually really like, which I don't think gets enough attention, is you had an all-female staff there. I was you know, fiercely proud of Steph's all-female staff that we had here at the U. Um, and by the way, I name it because it's still incredibly rare and we need to recognize head coaches who are doing that. Um, so when you know a woman actually gets the opportunity and you're doing your part to expand that coaching tree. Um, 
but you you're leaving behind at least one really longtime assistant, another assistant coach there. So just in terms of sort of, uh, you know, what you think the next steps back there are, uh, are those, you know, women who could sort of step up into their roles and maybe continue the Aaron Chastain era with a, with sort of a new voice, but under that same leadership. Cause I, I, I know for you as a longtime head coach, you know, developing the staff, um, on the developing the women on your staff was probably a big point of pride for you. Yeah, it was. Um, and my staff at DePaul is awesome. I mean, um, Michelle was with me for 12 years and then Rachel, um, played for me and then has been with me for the past three years. And I think Michelle has an awesome opportunity in front of her to lead that program. And, um, I'd be surprised, really surprised if that doesn't happen for her. Mm -hmm. So, um, as, someone who poured a lot into that program i think that would make me feel really proud and also really good that what we built would continue forward in a really great direction under their leadership so uh really excited for both of them and the opportunity in front of them and that just means that i'm going to be surrounded by some new people right. which is exciting and and i think haven't made those final decisions yet you mentioned right. sj um, SJ's a rock star. I've never had a director of ops. So she's not only a director of ops, but she's um, an alum and she's mm -hmm. fiercely proud of, of having played at Minnesota and of the program and I think is willing to do whatever it takes to to help the program be successful. So the other decisions I'll kind of make it um, in the next couple weeks so that we're set up prior to August. But mm -hmm. for me, it's an opportunity to surround myself with some new ideas, some new people, and hopefully empower um, some new assistants to one day lead their own programs. Right. And I think, you know, a lot of other folks, I think, I think people who are, you know, even more connected than me and more informed than me have always sort of been aware of, of you as a, either, either a theoretical candidate for this job, but also just in the coaching ranks. I think you're, you're well known from being at a couple different programs and being sort of a longtime head coach, you know, like your, your career at DePaul, like most, you know, longtime tenured coaches, you had some, some years with more success than others. You had some pretty damn high highs. You had like a four year run where you were just like crushing the big East. And then even your lows were really sort of those 500 type seasons, which for lows are pretty damn good. Um, so talk about what it was like to lead a program for that extended period of time, because I think what people maybe don't quite appreciate is the longevity of having to ride those natural waves that come with recruiting classes in, recruiting classes out. If you really nail a year, you know, that can lead you on a high wave, but then there's a natural replacement factor of can players step in. And it's this sort of, it's not just soccer, it's this like emotional leadership, emotional intelligence thing where young players have to step up and it can be challenging, but you had such a long tenure at 14 years, um, you know, Talk about how you sort of had to navigate that becoming such a longtime tenured coach and sort of how did you learn to sort of ride those waves up and down? Yeah, I think um, when I got to DePaul in 07, it was, it was definitely a rebuild situation. So they had had a, a stretch of some years where they really, really struggled. Um, so that was fun because we really got to put our mark and stamp on the program and build it the right way. And we were really patient with that process in terms of identifying the young women that could come into the program and 
be the right fit on and off the field. And I think put a lot of time into recruiting the right kids. And it took a little while. And then I think we hit a really nice stretch. Um, even in 2012, where it was, it was a rough year, but we had some talent on that roster and learned a lot of lessons. And then we're able to really thrive in 13 through 17. Um, had some had some really special players, in all yeah. honesty. And, and and we had a couple really good transfers come into our program. And and I think, uh, gosh, in 2016, I think we could have competed with anyone in the country. So um, right. really we're fortunate that that we were able to recruit the right kids and, and help them develop throughout their time in our program. And they mm -hmm. left playing their best soccer, mm -hmm. which was fun. And then, you know, we, we hit a couple stretches where we didn't necessarily have the depth that I would like to have on a roster. Some of that's where a right. private school um, that's, that's expensive. And, and I think struggled a little bit with depth at times and some, some injuries to key players, but I think a natural progression when you're when you're replacing first round draft picks in the NWSL and you're replacing all Americans. And so I think right. the team is actually in a really good spot going into next mm -hmm. fall uh, that I feel good about. Well, and when you start, you, you were really describing, I think, one phase of team building that I find most curious, which is when you're at those highs and like you say, you're trying to replace the, the best of the best. I mean, first, you're, you know, DePaul has players in the NWSL now, like all those, those caliber of caliber of players. I mean, is it, you know, when you're trying to sort of get back up and you're sort of right, you know, maybe having some down years or just, or just not quite as high years, is it taking bigger swings and bigger risks that you might not have done before to try and just see if it can pay off? Is it focusing more on transfers or more on internal development, or is it just sort of don't get sucked into the knee jerk, just sort of keep, if you think your decision-making process has been right all along, don't suck yourself into sort of the, uh, the quick fix type stuff. Yeah, I'm not, I, I think I'm not into quick fixes. So right. I think your last point is probably what it resonates with me the most. Um, I think it's believing in, in who you recruited and what they can do for your program. And they might not come in as an all American, but certainly right. you want to hope that they could get close to that when they're leaving, if they're those top, top tier kids. And, mm -hmm. and I do think there are a couple within that program that, you know, they, they had their freshman year and their sophomore year, and now they're really going to hit their stride in their junior right. year. So I think uh, that's why I feel like the group is in a, in a positive spot. Right. And, and pivoting now to, to your Minnesota roster, you know, you mentioned that development track can look different for different players. I mean, they can come in, um, you know, struggle at first and then immediately have a good jump or especially this last year was one of the most bizarre sort of quote unquote off seasons for players where you sort of have almost like a year ish of largely individual, some team training. So it's actually kind of a strange, um, you know, pivot in that development curve, but this in general is obviously a really insane time to come in and take over a program in the sense that, you know, usually those head coaching changes happen earlier in the year. And then you have some time to maybe see some of those spring players and then also take advantage of that transfer portal. So we're a little bit late. Obviously, transfer process requires admissions and the academic side. Remember, these players are students and it's not just sports, all you sports fans out there. So for you, um, you know, 
are are more incoming transfers even logistically possible at this point with with all the steps that go into that? Could we see you had a few Minnesotans on that DePaul roster? Could we see some of them try and use their sort of COVID eligibility, as I've uh, phrased it, and come home? Or are the, is that transfer process sort of officially wrapped now just with the logistical challenges? Yeah, I think it's challenging, but I think certainly if it if it was someone we felt could not only contribute in this year, but in future years, right. or in the case of a, a grad transfer, someone that you know is going to fit into team chemistry and be able to make an impact on the field, then then we would explore that. Um, and then otherwise, I think it's really just focusing on our current group. I'll see, I'll see a bunch of them tonight at a WPSL game that I'm going to. So that will be really fun. Kind of a first live glimpse at, I think at least six of, of the young women on the mm -hmm. roster and, and then a couple kids that we might be recruiting. So, um, mm -hmm. so we'll really focus on this roster, which I think is, it has a great core group of players and, mm -hmm. um, you know, the timing is certainly quicker than, than a normal coaching change, like you mentioned, but what's fun about that is that means we'll be on the field soon. And, and right. I think that's the best part. I mean, well, first of all, you need to be careful. I think we may be going to the same WPSL game tonight. So, so look out, you, you may have to also meet me in person. So two interactions in one day is really going to be trying for you. I think you I might um, think you're stalking me then. Right? <laughs> this is, well, you know, new coach, we have to do everything we can to, to cover the program. So, um, I've talked to plenty of the current, the existing players, and I know, I know you've talked to them already, or at least had some communication. But obviously, there's so much you sort of need to, you know, communicate to them, hear from them, you know, back the other direction. But what have you sort of focused on in those initial messages to um, these women that you know are you're going to be a big part of their life? They're going to be a big part of your life. But for a lot of them, maybe this is sort of a first interaction, and obviously some of it is still digital. If you were doing it from back in Chicago, so what have those first messages to the team been? Just uh, my overall excitement to to be part of the program and how excited I am to get to know all of them and what their goals are and how they feel like they can contribute on and off the field to this team and program. So I, I think the message was, Hey, let's get to know each other as quickly as possible because that'll make August a little bit easier in terms of not playing catch up as much. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really the focus, you know, August is always about how quickly can we come together <laughs> turn off. Good automatic lights. Wave your arms, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. You yeah, there you go. Good tip. You're very. Um, you're, I'm you're, learning my new office, so you're very. You're very steady in your in your seat. That's that's what this means. You're very steady. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, yeah. So August is always about um, coming together as a new group, and that hopefully then translates to on the field performance. So the focus will really be to. to getting to know everyone as quickly as possible and, and them getting to know each other, you know, there's obviously incomers coming in and yep. um, it's going to be a different team, which is an mm -hmm. opportunity for growth for all of us. Mm -hmm. So I think if we have the right attitude about, Hey, growth, that's awesome. We're going to embrace that and we're going to do it together and we're going to learn new things and mm -hmm. go from there. 
That's great. And we're, I'm going to jump into really talking to you about the current roster and keep in mind, I could conservatively talk to you about that for like four hours straight. So we, we will keep it lean. But first, I will give a shout out to uh, Pence Homes. They are, they are sponsoring the show here. Uh, Nate, Nate Pence uh, owns the shop, but uh, all the folks I worked with in that operation were women. Lydia was our recent realtor. We bought this home in the fall. She was so fantastic. Angie Shear uh, did all of our mortgage work and she was so quick, so, so customer focused. So huge shout out to them. Find them on Twitter, uh, find them on their website. They support a lot of different soccer in the community. So if you're, if you're looking to move in this insane uh, housing market viewers out there, uh, they are people who can help you and they will, they will get it done. So, so Aaron, let's jump into this current roster. I'm, I'm, you know, I could, ask you about where you want to play everyone and that would be insane but i'm also sort of curious about how did you when you went into this process and obviously you're sort of starting to be interviewed and then i'm assuming there's multiple rounds but for you as a coach you know how did you try to evaluate the individual players during that process so that you felt sort of like you had your chops if those types of questions came up or that you even felt prepared for if you got the job you know talk about sort of you evaluating the roster from afar um, both individually and as a group and sort of things that stuck out to you yeah i think um you know i i'm on the ncaa women's soccer committee and so part of our challenge this year was to watch as much soccer as possible of other teams so that when selections came around, we had as much information about teams as possible, given that RPI wasn't going to be right. um, as reliable of a tool as it normally would be. So, or I should say as usable as it right. normally would be. Um, so I had watched Minnesota play a couple times in their big 10 games. Um, I reached out to a couple of coaches I know really well in the Big Ten to just kind of give me their two cents on Minnesota's roster and their strengths and their weaknesses and um, just did my homework that way. And and I think I know, you know, we've always, we always at DePaul recruited Minnesota kids. Right. And so I think um, knowing some of those young women from watching the Minnesota clubs play when, when we were recruiting I had a feel for for some of the young women, but certainly the most important piece is going to be when we get here August 2nd and evaluating the group as quickly as possible. Um, players change and and I think they had a couple transfers on the roster that weren't able to compete this spring. Yeah. So I think just really kind of walking in and, and having an unbiased view of of what they are able to do once we're back in August. Right, right. And we'll we'll get in there. We have a listener question about sort of what kind of style you like to play. We're going to we're going to leave that to the listener section. So we will I would love to follow up right now and ask everything about your tactical mind. But we will we will hold and we will pivot back to um, your I think one really interesting part about your coaching career is having coached at Santa Clara and the WCC, obviously a long time at DePaul in the Big East. Um, and you're familiar with the Big Ten in general, obviously from your playing career, but also, you know, being an assistant at Northwestern, but specifically with the Big East and the WCC, um, because fans of the Gophers have probably seen a decent amount of Big Ten soccer. But for you, coming from those other conferences, what are some things in particular you think sort of add to your strengths as a, as a coach, having been in those different conferences and sort of different recruiting conversations that you can then bring sort of to Minnesota and the Big Ten? Yeah, I mean, well, I think in both those conferences, there's those really high-end teams um, that probably you would put 
consistently in the top 10 in the nation every mm -hmm. year, whether you're talking about Santa Clara or you're talking about Georgetown or back in the day, you're talking about a Portland right. um, or a Pepperdine. So, so I think um, the fact that I've seen those top level teams and, and how they compete and perform and have some recruiting ties from, from my relationships as part of those programs in different parts of the country. I think mm -hmm. try to use those ties going forward to really um, bring in a high level of, of talent to Minnesota. So I think that will probably be the biggest piece, um, you know, and then I think I've been fortunate enough as an assistant to really learn from some wonderful mentors at Northwestern. That was Marsha McDermott and at Santa Clara, that was Jerry Smith. And, and I think being able to learn maybe from Marsha about how to inspire a team and from Jerry, just tactical knowledge about preparation for different opponents. I think um, hopefully that's, that's a strength of mine. And I think it's this. That's a really good transition from you sort of speaking to your experience as an assistant to um, one thing I think that really stuck out for you. And I'm I'm projecting this onto the search process is your extensive head coaching experience because I think there actually were a number of candidates with either Minnesota ties in general or connections to go for soccer or whatever who really did have I think. Um, who I think were capable of leading a program like Minnesota, but I think what really set you apart compared to them, not just in, I'm sure there were, you know, a million factors I'm not thinking about, but your extensive head coaching experience, I think definitely had to play a factor in that. And one thing I've found in talking to coaches who transition from assistant to head coaching is those first few years are really sort of eye-opening of Oh, these are things I didn't quite think about until I was a head coach. Well, and you talked about your experience under sort of really talented head coaches. What were some of those things for you that stuck out in becoming a head coach after spending, you know, several years as an assistant on the bench that really sort of jumped out to you about, oh, this is actually a bigger part of the job or this is something I didn't expect? Yeah. Um, well, one thing, I think you feel every loss a little bit harder. Um, as a head coach, because it's your deal. You're you're going to be the most accountable for, right. for all that. So I, I think that's one. And, you know, two, a big thing I, I think I learned, especially in my first few years as a head coach at DePaul, is it really is about a process and there are no quick fixes. Mm -hmm. There just aren't. And if you look for quick fixes, I I think sometimes in the end that doesn't that doesn't lead you to the right spot. So in saying that, it's doing your homework on recruits and and making sure that not just on the field they can help you, but off the field they can help you. And I and I think that was something I learned really early and was able to uh, pay off for me as as my career kind of um, I guess as I got later in my career. Right. And I think a, sort of a related question I'm always curious about um, is, you know, what are some things about head coaching or even just running the running the program, coaching the game, whatever, that fans and supporters generally seem to discount? Like what, you know, what are things that are more important than we see from the outside where, you know, when I used to lob ideas at Steph or at coaching Steph and they'd be like, yeah, that's great. Yeah, great idea. Except you didn't think about these seven factors that go into that. What are what are some of those kind of most common things that maybe fans or even like player parents or whoever sort of constantly sort of elevate 
but they sort of, what are the things that they miss or maybe aren't quite framing up? So in other words, I'm, I'm asking you to pre-traumatize yourself for when I ask you questions that don't make any sense, Erin. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I have a good answer for that. I can tell you that um, it's funny because when I tell people that I coach and they're like, oh, that's great. Where do you coach? And, you know, it used to be DePaul. Now it'll be Minnesota. Um, and they'll be like, oh, that's nice. So um, is that part time or full time? <laughs> You know, because I think they view it as, you know, you're right. there at practice and then, you know, or do you have summers off? Um, so right. I think just a recognition of, you know, we're in the office a lot, meeting right. with players and doing film and and then you're spending so much time on the phone recruiting and, and developing relationships with the community. And mm -hmm. you're thinking about what service opportunity can my team do and uh, what leadership building can we do? So I think there's so much more than just what you do on the field for your right. program. And it's really a 360 degree approach to to mm -hmm. player development and people development. And so I think um, there's just a lot more to it. Yeah, I think uh, I've said I think I've maybe mentioned this in like three of our last four shows, but it just keeps popping up where it was someone was doing an interview with, you know, Jen Cooper, one of the national um, women's soccer podcasts, and they they had experience both at the college level and the pro level. And they phrased it like you phrased it, but almost from a different angle. They said, well, college soccer coaching actually isn't that much soccer in relation to like when you're coaching pro soccer, almost all your job is soccer. And when you're coaching college soccer, obviously the soccer is important but it's a smaller portion of the pie because you're also worried about, are they succeeding in the classroom? Are they growing as people? Are they, you know, how, and the recruiting side, I mean, which is just, you know, not on the field stuff, that's all relationship stuff and, and travel and all those things. So, yeah, I think, I, I mean, not to say you wouldn't love summers off Aaron. I'm sure now that you're back in Minnesota, you'd love to just go to the lake. I, I'm not sure that that's in the cards for you, but uh, that would be, that would be nice. Yeah, not not in the cards. <laughs> well, and 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 now on a related note, the the last question before we get into my favorite segment, but one that I'm not sure anyone else cares about. So the last last question is, you know, you're a Minnesota kid. You you played at the U. You spent so much of your early life here, um, and there's so much going on now in terms of you know having to move a family, having to move yourself, set up a new job, all those things, but. What are some sort of non-job related, non-soccer related things that you're excited to do now that you're back in Minnesota after, you know, however long away in these other places, um, now that you're back home, what are some things you're excited to do, you know, with your girls, with your family, or just for yourself? Yeah, um, well, let's see. I, I used to love to run Lake Calhoun and Lake Harriet yeah. and do that loop. So I think that will be fun. Yeah. Um, I think just walking my kids around downtown Wyzetta, where I'm from, which is so different than than when I right. was here, but uh, a lot more crowded. But um, and just feeling like I can't believe we're here and doing it with my family is, mm -hmm. you know, so maybe not something specific. I, I right. do want to do that run. I just don't right. want it to be 95 degrees when I do it. Right. Um, but just really excited kind of to do everything to see that, see my girls go to school. Um, I think my daughter will be an eighth grader at Wyzetta West, which is where I went to school. So those kind of moments will be really special for me. 
Yeah, that's kind of unreal after, especially after, you know, raising kids in another city, other state, and now they're literally going to your childhood school. That's sort of, that's kind of unreal. That's incredible. Yeah. And, and this is, and Aaron, I'm not a Minneapolis person, but this is my only Minneapolis tip. I'm going to be able to help you since, since the last time you lived here, the lake has been renamed. So it's no longer Lake Calhoun. So this is me doing a, a public service for the city of Minneapolis for you. It's it now has a from its Native American roots. It's now Bidet Makaska. Okay. So that's so that's just a that's a news tip. That's and a still Harriet. Yeah. Yep. Okay. But that's but that was within the last handful of years. That's even within my era of living down here. So that was yeah. recent. Nice. So, well, so you're, I'll, I'll remember that and do that loop and yeah. Um, that's a good change. So I will look. So I will look forward to whatever royalty the Meet Minneapolis board wants to pay me for doing that advertisement for them. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay so now, Aaron, we are jumping into my favorite segment, and as I said, one that I'm not sure anyone else cares about. I've never heard anyone respond to it, but it is called the Internet said it. And in this segment, I I say something the internet has said about you, and you get to tell us if it's true or false. Oh, okay, great. So this, this is great. I will tell you, you are not an incredibly online person. So th there's not a lot of stuff to dig for, but I did find some some good ones. This is probably the question you get most in your entire life, but it did come up to me when you got announced. The internet said that your, your current last name, Chastain, is in fact connected to soccer legend Brandy Chastain because you are married to her brother. Is that true, Aaron? That is true. And, and I have to imagine that is a frequent question for you operating in the soccer space. It is a frequent question. It's obviously a very soccer last name. Um, so yes, that is true. She is, Brandy is my sister-in-law um, and we are a soccer family through and through. So uh, then obviously the most natural follow-up question to that is, it, is she now an automatic Gopher fan and will we see her at ELR and also, do, have you already asked her for me if she's going to be on equal time? I'm assuming all those things are yeses. <laughs> I think most of them are yeses, and I will ask her for you. I'm sure she'll do it. I it's, don't know if she'll give you 30 minutes, but she'll right. give you some. I'd be I'd be happy for 90 seconds with Brandy. If I although I will say if she comes to ELR, I'm not really sure I'll be able to squeeze in. I think she may be surrounded, so we will yeah. see. Yeah. Okay. So the next one is, uh, this is also one of your, your internet hits. The internet said, you are not a fan of coaches just flat out screaming at players on the field. This is from a, and I, I believe this is from an interview you did. So I'm assuming that's true. That is uh, true. Okay. And that's, that's a big hit for the all male coaching staffs. I see sometimes screaming play-by-play -play instructions to their young women. So that's unfortunate for them that, yeah. that you're not supporting that, Aaron. I know. Um, I do believe in preparation prior to the games. The games, the the young women need to make decisions on the field, and hopefully, we've trained them in the right way so that they can problem solve and and do right. that. I, th I think we have to give some direction at times, but right. in a way that it's received. Yeah, I you know tr treating people even like adults, let alone like humans, is a is a good motto. So I appreciate that. Lastly, and this is probably my favorite one. Obviously, you were, you know, huge thanks to you for even do, being willing to do this interview. But the internet said you like doing interviews like this, and we have some proof. Let's make sure we share this. You have a history of doing interviews. Here's a good example of it. 
Oh my gosh, that's so sad. Look at that. Yeah. And for those who can't tell, Aaron, I believe your playing number, even through your gopher years, was number nine. Is that correct? So you're there. It, it is correct. That is my number. Was that a high school with my best friend, Stephanie Erickson, then now Foster. Um, and I must have played really well because she's interviewing me. Right. So, um, yeah, that that is us. So wow. this, this is a post game situation. That's what you're telling us here. Yeah, it's, it must be post game. And those kits, if you're talking about old yep. kits from the Minnesota days, those are really old. Those are some some nice long sleeves. They look kind of heavy. You'd really be really be sweating in those. Although I do by coincidence, I have a childhood kit of mine actually right here. This is a nice. Oh, nice. For all the Heartland Soccer Club fans from North Central Minnesota, look out for look out for that. Um, <laughs> that was not on purpose. That just happens to be sitting here. But that's it. That's a great picture. I like that. So you and uh, believe it or not, Stephanie has been uh, since I half jokingly referenced her as a candidate for this position. Uh, she has been messaging me plenty. She is a huge supporter of yours. Uh, I believe you all were neighbors, literally in Chicago. So we're we're now expanding our fan base to the broader Midwest, so that's great. That's great, yes. Yeah. Yes, we live a mile apart right now, so we'll live right. a little farther apart, but a little bit. still little get bit. to see each other a lot. So let's, so that that is it for the internet side. Again, one of my favorite segments, I'm not sure anyone else cares, but you're welcome listeners and viewers. So now let's jump back into a few listener questions. And this one, um, I especially kept here just because I think it's something I should have been asking anyway. You know, what is, how would you describe sort of your brand of soccer or how you like your teams to play? You know, so if if a, if you were talking to a recruit about sort of what it's like to be a gopher, you know, in the Aaron Chastain era, or if you're trying to describe to, you know, a parent why their daughter should come be part of the program, you know, how do you, how do you describe that? Is it, you know, is it gritty? Is it, you know, proactive, you know, possession-based? What are some of the ways you describe sort of your style? Um. Yeah, I, well, for sure, gritty and tough and, you know, high work rate and highly competitive. So those are kind of some of the intangibles. And then I think from a soccer perspective, ideally, uh, a formation where our outside backs are getting forward and attack mm -hmm. and we have numbers and attack and we're hopefully scoring lots of goals, but organized mm -hmm. defensively. And some of that will be depend on what personnel we have and, right. um, you know, how close can we get to that in year mm -hmm. one versus year three based on personnel. But certainly, um, you know, can we can we try to keep the ball, send numbers forward and, and have some fun attacking players to watch and create right. and be dangerous? If, yeah, and I think you mentioned a lot of it's personnel-based because if you try and force personnel into a system they can't play, you're obviously going to not get the results you want. And also, as you said, it may take some time to get there. The theoretically, in sort of a sunshine and rainbows dream scenario, what kind of sort of um, shape do you want to be playing in um, in terms of you know how you're lining up and all that stuff? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I ideally maybe a 4-3-3, but um, mm -hmm. again, I think – just kind of figuring out what pieces can fit where and doing right. that as quickly as possible. And then making sure that even though that's the formation I would gravitate toward, that that makes sense for the group. Right. Right. Yeah. I know. I, this, the, again, this is where I could start talking to you about individual players and just going down the rabbit hole, but we will not do that because I can't scare you away from future shows. I like there's, 
there's there's so many players who really showed well in the spring in sort of a new position they hadn't played before. And that sort of, I think, put fans sort of maybe a little open-minded about, oh, what could it look like and who could play where? But I think some of those pivot positions, like if you can have a really strong holding midfielder, do you have strong center backs, you know, that allow more mobility in your outside backs? Like some of those are sort of like pass fails. Like if you don't have it, then you have to cover for it, you know, and it's so it's it'll be interesting to see how the players respond, because like you said, there's a few incoming players who should have juice right away. And then, it, you know, Izzy Brown from UNC can actually suit up and Maddie Baker, who I was obsessed with being able to watch. And now she's finally cleared and you know, be a big attacking presence. So it'll be really fun. Ho hopefully there's a lot of uh, a lot of fun players to watch, like you said. Uh, we also had someone who I, I have to admit, I did not look up the DePaul home field before this interview, but someone mentioned that it's a really unique oh. home field there. Look Sorry, at the, that's, that's Aaron's really stoic, like <laughs> steady strength that she's showing you there. You, so mentioned that there's a unique home field in DePaul, either by dimension or, you know, is there, is, is that the one? Is it by the train? I can't remember. It's by the train. Yeah. yeah. That's great. So maybe I have seen a game there then. Um, but, you know, what, uh, you know, talk about how that plays into things. Cause you know, Elizabeth L. Robbie stadium is a beautiful venue overall, but it's especially a beautiful grass pitch. A lot of teams obviously play on turf. Um, although, you know, really nice grass can play, you know, almost just as fast, but, um, it's, you know, it's wide. It's, I think it's probably wider and bigger than a lot of the, the fields on the big 10, but talk about how that sort of plays into some of the strategy too, in terms of when you go from one very specific venue to maybe, uh, another. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously you always have to take that into consideration. DePaul was a really tight field mm -hmm. um, width-wise, mm -hmm. and then obviously distraction of the train going by. Um, so ELR will be very different than that in terms of um, just dimensions of the field and obviously surface. So I think um, a lot of the Big Ten schools still play on grass. I think right. um, Northwestern and might be yeah. the only turf field, but I might, I'm not quite sure. So, yeah. so I think um, the fact that we can practice on grass mm -hmm. and then also play most of our games on grass mm -hmm. um, will be nice preparation for the big 10 portion of the season. And then obviously, mm -hmm. you know, Northwestern's the only turf field, but um, turf just, you know, it's about how fast the ball rolls yeah. and do you have to overhit your passes, you know, if you're right. on grass or adjusting to the surface. Right. And I, as I was in my head trying to tick through the games from this spring, it was sort of a, a terrible exercise because a lot of those were straight up in bubble domes. You know, it was we literally were playing winter soccer this past spring. It was not yeah. a regular season. So I was like, well, Michigan State, Michigan. It's like, no, those were in, you know, field houses and bubble domes or whatever they were that not the traditional soccer fields. Um, and lastly, this is another sort of fun one, but uh what are some of your personal sports to play these days? And I do have a follow-up if we get into the right territory, but what, what's some of your personal sort of sports and athletic activities you like to do? Oh, well, um, I mean, I work out. I like to run or hop on a Peloton. So that's mm -hmm. like my, that's my necessity every day just to get a good sweat. And then um, I love platform tennis, which isn't, mm -hmm. it's, it was a sport introduced to me in Illinois and I don't know that it's as popular in Minnesota, but um, it's, I played tennis growing up. And so platform tennis was 
like a fun transition and it's a really mm -hmm. fun sport. So, and you can do it in the winter. And yeah. so we'll see if I can find anyone else that plays that in Minnesota. This is well, and here's the first step towards learning. If anyone else plays it, you need to explain that sport to us. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a, it's almost like a pickleball. Okay. But you have screens around you that the ball can hit off. So in that sense, it's like racquetball, but it's outside. Wow. Um, so, I mean, a little like tennis, racquetball, pickleball, pickleball. So some somewhere in between, really kind of long points and you can get lots back and um this is fun. this sounds this sounds insane but also pretty cool so yeah like it and is and is there are you playing off the ground or is it a table no it's you're you're on the ground okay yeah. so and you're it, running around right yeah and it's so it's kind of like off the wall tennis like you can play off the wall but the yes. ball is the ball more like a pickleball or is it kind of like a hybrid of those um, it's more like a tennis ball. Okay. A little harder. Yeah. That sounds yeah. insane, honestly. But you I, should Google it and look it up and watch like a YouTube video. You'll see it, it's it's pretty fun. I'm not confident that there are any uh platform <laughs> tennis uh courts in Minnesota, but here's what I will tell you. If there is one, uh the greater Wyzetta area might be where it would be if there's just a random country club that happens to have so you for all we know, you will be in luck, or maybe the U needs to add one too. If that's if that's athletic complex, who knows? Yeah, great. That would well, be fun. well, Aaron, I am not going to stretch this out because the one thing you have the absolute least of right now is time. Um, but Aaron Chastain, new head coach of the Gopher Soccer Program, um, you all return to camp. I'm sure sometime in you know early August, or maybe mm -hmm. maybe you'll get to see players a little before that. Games exhibitions will, from what I've you know heard, will start in the middle of August as well. So fans might be able to start seeing you all then. Um, just an absolute, absolutely exciting time for the program to have you return to your alma mater. We have so much more to dig in with you uh, once the season starts. But for now, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, folks, make sure you're following the Gophers everywhere you can because uh, this is going to be a fun fall. Yeah, thank you for having me. That's great.